Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you and your whole family. Uh, the Wilson family send you Christmas greetings. It's so good to be with you today. And I've actually decided I would try and preach wearing a Christmas item. And so there was a lot of discussion about what that might be. Uh, there are some people in the room I'm standing right now filming this who thought I should be perhaps wearing antlers or dress as a tree or Father Christmas. One of them even suggested coming as a pantomime horse. Um, but I thought instead I would just decide to go for a Christmas scarf, which is my trusty Christmas scarf I got last year. But then they also said that it would look kind of silly if I did that for the entire message. So I thought I would also take it off. But that way you could see there was a nice sort of Christmassy gesture to it. Um, but anyway, the Wilsons say very happy Christmas to you. And I hope you're having a great day. And we've been talking through this December a lot about hope, haven't we? If you've been uh, online with us or perhaps been to some of our in-person services and the carols were just fantastic last week and the week before. Just this theme of hope and about how we spend a lot of this time of year in Advent waiting and hoping and longing and looking into the future. And today is the day in the church calendar, if you like, when hope turns to joy. And we're no longer looking in the future for something, but we're celebrating that God has done what we always hoped that he would. And that's, this is the, the pivot day. It's the transition, isn't it? It's a day to celebrate and enjoy and be merry. And that's why we say Merry Christmas or Happy Christmas. And Advent in my family, anyway, Advent is a day of mount, is a, t a time of mounting anticipation. It's like the kids get the Advent calendars out. We've got three, one for each child. They've all got different chocolates behind each door. Uh, Sam, my youngest, my five-year-old, had a, a Where's Wally, uh, which is far too difficult for me. It'll sort of say, you have, can't find Wally at all, and then they have to find an object on every page. But everything's in red and white for Father Christmas, so you just can't find even where the numbers for the doors are. But every day when they find it, like yeah, and now we're one day closer. And it's the whole thing's designed, isn't it, to sort of build this sense of mounting anticipation. And in my home, we, we really, we, I don't know, I fluffed it. In my family, we used to put up the Christmas tree on the 21st of December, as when I was a kid. And then when I got married, Rachel said, no, we'll do it on the 1st. And I thought, there's some other, you know, this isn't a battle of fight. We'll do it on the 1st. This year, had to go in the loft to get a friend's tree down. And so we ended up starting it in the last week of November. So we've been like a full month of waiting with the decorations, building and building, and the children getting more excited. And in a way, that sense of longing and hoping is, you know, at a kind of a friendly family level in the home, but it's actually meant to reflect the theology of Advent, which is we're longing for God to come and put the world right. We're longing for God to step in, both in the baby Jesus version in the Christmas story, but also in the returning, conquering king Jesus version. We're longing for him to come and restore all things and so that sense of mounting anticipation and then a, a present goes under a tree and the kids go what's that and then and something else goes under you know a bit later oh they're getting more excited right the way through to everyone wrapping up satsumas and the funny things that we do it's all designed to build a sense of anticipation that the day is coming when hope will become joy and on christmas day that's what we celebrate isn't it that the idea that the hopes and all fears of all the years have now culminated in this child and that we can celebrate. And Advent is meant to be a hope season, but Christmas isn't. Christmas isn't, this isn't a day to go, I'm really hoping that God will. This is a day to say, I'm celebrating, I'm rejoicing that God has. That's what we do. And in fact, what happens is, you know, in the church calendar, you don't just celebrate that for one day. I mean, I don't know how your Christmas plans work. You might have a, you know, a meal today and presents and so on. And you might then carry on with life as normal on, you know, Monday or Tuesday. I don't know. Others of us might be celebrating for ages. 
what the church has often done for a long time, as we said, 24 days of Advent and then 12 days of Christmas. And actually, the 12 days of Christmas are sort of ramping up, if you've ever sung that bizarre song, you know, like, oh, well, then I gave this and more and more gifts so that by the 12th day, this massive extravaganza of 12 lords are leaping or drummers drumming, but it's this huge celebration of gift giving as if Christmas is gradually building in excitement as we recognize and celebrate more and more of what God has done for us in Christ. So it's, a, it's like a celebration season. It's a 12-day festival, not a one-day meal present fest will collapse. Now, obviously, we can't. The intensity probably, maybe in your home, don't know how you're celebrating Christmas this year, certainly in mine, you can't sustain the intensity of it for 12 days, but it's good to remember, at least in our theological, our spiritual lives, God has done what we always hoped he would. And that's what this day is intended to remember. And so for the next 12 days, we stop singing songs like, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And we start singing songs like, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. You see, it's a, it's, a, it's a flip moment, isn't it? Where you stop going, God, I need you to come and break into this dark world and all of the pain and mess and everything. And you start saying, Lord, thank you that you have, that you've done what you always promised. And this child in the manger is proof of how far you're prepared to go to rescue us and to dig us out of this hole. And so we start rejoicing songs rather than hoping and longing songs. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. And we're like Simeon and Anna in the passage that we've just heard read. Uh, Tash read for us so beautifully that these two, they just find them such wonderful Christmas people. Although this, this didn't happen on Christmas Day, it happened Jesus is a few days old, he's going to be dedicated at the temple, but I love the way that they talk because they've spent their lives hoping. Simeon, this old boy, is like, I, he's had it revealed to him that he's not going to die until the Lord's Christ has appeared on the earth. And he's been pining for it and waiting faithfully. And then the day comes and he said, Lord, now you can let your servant depart in peace because my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared beforehand in the presence of all people, a light to the Gentiles. Thank you, Lord. You've let me live to see it. And I don't know what happens next, but maybe he just goes outside and drops dead. I don't know. But he's, he's seen, he's lived for it. And now hope has turned to joy and he celebrates. And then Anna, of course, the same. Anna, this sort of wonderful old prophetess who's just, again, lived for 80 odd years longing for the Lord and his Christ. And now she's, she's finally seen him. And again, she just is filled with gladness and tells everybody she meets about the redemption of God's people. It's the day when hope becomes joy. Here comes heaven, you might say, as we've just been singing. It's just a beautiful statement of how all our longings have now reached their climax and their fulfillment in Jesus. And actually, it's something we picked up in the, I spoke in the carol services, maybe you watched that online perhaps in the last couple of weeks, and we spoke about that in the carol services, and I talked through the image of childbirth, this strange image for Christmas, but it's one that's actually very central to the way the Bible talks about hope and joy. And Jesus said, didn't he, in John 16, we read it, a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come, but when the child or the baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child's been born into the world. And then Jesus says, so it is with you. Now is your time of grief, but I'll see you again, and then you'll rejoice, and no one will take your joy away from you. And so Christmas is like that transition moment where the hope of, in the childbirth picture, the hope of labor becomes the joy of having the child, this sort of reality that God has given you what you always hoped he would. And that's why we give gifts. 
And some of us might be, you know, we give a lot of gifts to a lot of people. Some of us may be much more on a smaller scale, given who we are with and what we're, what we're giving. But that sense of gift giving is a way of saying, I've been hoping, and you've been hoping for something, and I'm now going to give it to you. And then I've been hoping for something, and you're now going to give it to me. And it's a way of, not in the Bible, but it's a way of making very practical and real the idea that having longed for something, God has given us a gift, just like he promised he would. Hope becomes joy. And there's a carol that I, I kind of really like. We never sing it. I don't think we've ever sung it in any church I've been in. I once went to a, a carol service as a child where it was sung by someone else. But it's not very widely used, I think. Um, but it actually captures the mood of joy and merriment really, really well, even though we're not going to sing it, and I'm, I'm not sure we necessarily should. But I said a carol called God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. And it's kind of, I've got a, a history with this carol because I, as a child, you know when you're a child and you don't understand something and then often you get to be an adult and it takes you a very long time to change your understanding of it. You're like mid-twenties and you suddenly realise, oh, that thing I've got wrong since I was five, I've only just realised I was wrong. That's what happened to me with this carol because I, I kind of put the comma in the wrong place. So I always thought it was God rest ye, commie, comma, Merry gentlemen, God rest ye. Have a rest, merry gentlemen. And I also thought that the word merry in my family kind of meant someone who drunk too much and therefore was being a bit, Ugh. and so I thought that the carol meant that some of you gentlemen are getting a bit too drunk and you now really need to sit down, calm down and sit on the sofa and doze off for the afternoon. That's what I thought it meant. And it's not like a preacher joke, like that is, a, that's how I thought that carol meant. God rest ye, merry gentlemen. And then it went into let nothing you dismay and I thought, I don't really get the connection between Jesus' birth and uncles getting a bit too drunk and then falling asleep on the sofa. It's just a really weird carol. I couldn't get my head around it. And it was, wasn't until I was quite old I realised I'd completely misunderstood what it meant. And that actually what the carol was saying is that Mary's not a word for drunk, it's a word for uproariously joyful and happy and celebratory. And that the comma comes after the word Mary. So it's meant to be saying, God rest ye Mary, comma, gentlemen, or ladies and gentlemen, we would say, Everybody, God wants you to be able to rest with the utmost joy and delight, ladies and gentlemen, because Jesus has been born and all of your hopes are now turned to joy. That's what the carol is supposed to mean. And I, when I finally realised that, it transformed my understanding of that carol and it also helped me see how central joy is to Christmas Day. And for some of us, it's a tiring day. It's a, often a stressful day, actually. It is in my home as well. But the point of the day and of the feast, the 12-day-long celebration, is to be able to rest merry. That is to break from work, which many of us do, at least today and for probably for a number of other days over the next week or two. We rest from work and we rest in the joy and merriment and celebration of what God has done for us. Let nothing you dismay. Don't be afraid of anything, gentle, ladies and gentlemen. Let nothing you dismay. For Jesus Christ, our Saviour, was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we had gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. And you know, probably know the carol, it's a well-known one, but it's not one we often sing. But it's intended to say, God wants you to have a rest, and to rest not just in dozing off on the sofa, but to be refreshed and restored by the joy of the fact that God has come to earth to answer your prayers and to fulfill your hopes that he's going to put the world right. And he wants you to rest merry and to celebrate and to do the kinds of things that we do to mark celebrations, like giving gifts or 
whatever, eating and drinking and feasting and all of those things. Actually, the Bible's full of feasts like that, partly to say, guys, you've got to get this. You've got to enact the good news that God has performed on your behalf. You've got to be joyful, and God wants you to rest merry because he has done what it needed to free us from the power of Satan when we'd all wandered off. So that's free us from Satan's power when we'd gone astray. Our tidings of comfort, that is reassurance and relief and encouragement and strength. And joy, merriment, celebration, dancing, singing, uproarious, partying. That's what Christmas is supposed to be. And there's a cosmic dimension to it. It's, it's like what's happening to us is also happening to the world, which is why the other beautiful Christmas song, Joy to the World, the Lord is come, and the devil is thrown down, and the world is now free, so be merry. And the song goes on, No more let sins and sorrows grow, or thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found. That is, wherever our world has gone wrong, Jesus has come to heal it of all of the evil and pain and sickness and viruses and all of that stuff that we hate, to drive it all out and to bring restoration and healing to the world because the Saviour's come to deliver us from everything the curse has touched and from everything that the devil has got his hooks in, Jesus is going to drive it out and liberate the world. And so in the church calendar, this is a 12-day feast, a celebration in which God wants you and me and our family to rest merry, ladies and gentlemen, safe in the knowledge that the Lord has come and earth is ready to receive her king. So raise a glass this Christmas if you do that. Eat well if you can do that. Give, receive, rejoice, smile, dance if it comes your way. God rest ye merry because the Lord has come.